part two. Dream preview Thanksgiving week. We've done Thanksgiving already. It's up and available. This is why you want to subscribe. <laughs> Pregame.com, do a search, dream preview, or RJ Bell. You'll also see straight out of Vegas, probably. In studio, the whole crew. Special thanks to both of them for coming in early. We're taping on Tuesday. Fez is a little cranky. He needs his sleep. When you, you know, you start chugging towards 60, that sleep becomes important. That and the, the urinal. How many times do you go to the bathroom a day, Fez? On average? 10. Before noon. Because, I mean, you're at three or four when we do a pod, right? Sure, but I'm, I'm usually pounding the Mountain Dews. <laughs> Matty Holt also. Let's get straight to it. The Las Vegas Raiders going to the Falcons. Raiders a three-point favorite on the road in the game. We got fast. Yeah, this is actually my best bet. I'm on, I'm on the Falcons plus three. I'm buying low on the Falcons. The look-ahead line on this game was pick them. What's happened since? Well, really good game by the Raiders against Kansas City. Upgraded the Raiders a point. I downgraded the Falcons based upon they played a poor game against the Saints. Even with those adjustments, I still only have these teams three points separate in my ratings. So if you give Atlanta any kind of home field, you've got value taking the Falcons plus three. And also I like the fact that the Falcons are a team that the wise guys have been betting throughout the year. And I think it's an overreaction to just take one poor game and suddenly throw them into the trash can. So I'm on Atlanta. All right, so what you're saying is, because my power ratings say this that I created, I like Atlanta. Why do you give me your power numbers and explain the rationale? Yeah, so I have the Raiders one point better than an average team. And I think, frankly, that's being a little bit generous for the well, Raiders. Well, first off, that's bullshit. If it's generous, why give it to them? Fair enough. I think it's accurate okay. that the well, Raiders so are a little bit better. We know you think it's accurate because you're saying it. Continue. All right. And I've got Atlanta two points worse. No, we haven't. Are you going to say the numbers in a, an affected voice and think you're saying anything? Like, why are the Raiders not better? Why do you think you're pretty much in market with them? You, by definition, you have to be the market's off somewhere. Where is the market off? I think the market has overreacted to the Raider really good performance against Kansas City. Everyone saw Carr have Which that big one? game, the, the most recent one. No, so the win. Okay, go ahead. I mean, pretty. They played pretty well. I mean, Carr what, played very. Where's well. the Raiders' bad game at? Uh, the game against Tampa, where they lost by 25. Mm -hmm. uh, and what else? They lost. Now remember, there was a huge COVID problem. The now. New England. Yeah, they lost by 16 at New England. Mm -hmm. They've had some bad games. Okay, I mean, like literally every team except the Steelers have had bad games, right? Yes. So that doesn't mean that they're an average team. And I have them slightly above average. Doesn't mean they're only one point above average. Yeah. You're saying that you have them different than the market. I'm asking you, in what what is the rationale? Would you say that you're higher on the Falcons than the market, or lower on the Raiders? I think I'm. I think I'm lower on the Raiders. I'm pretty sure you're lower on the Raiders. Right? Yeah. Where do you got the Raiders at? I think they're probably around 13. So you think just a little better than an average team? Yeah. Their defense still says that they're not that much better. I mean, if you look at their I don't know. How much, better, how much worse is the Raiders' defense in Seattle's? 
I mean, yeah, but they don't have Russell Wilson. They don't have a Seattle type offense. I know their offense is getting better, but it's not a Seattle type offense yet. Uh, I mean, let's. I'm not saying this is the only way to look, but Pro Football Outsider says what, Faz? Uh, says Vegas number seven offense, number twenty four on defense. Okay, now twenty four is not as bad as people would lend itself. And where do they got Seattle? Seattle number four on offense, twenty three on defense. So under this theory, Seattle is a smidge better than the Raiders. On both. Yeah. yeah. So probably like a point and a half better. Mm. What was the defense again? 24 the Raiders, and what was it for Seattle, 23? Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, we're calling that about as tight as you can get. Mm -hmm. And they're three slots up on offense, right? Seven against four? Yes. So they're, and, and all in all, they're four slots better. That can't be a point and a half. I don't think you can simply take those. No, I know, but I'm saying just generally, I, I just feel like Russell Wilson, the love for Russell Wilson maybe causes there to be a football sexy mm. buys for Seattle. I'm just saying this Raiders team feels like they're trending in the right direction. I would make the case who has a better, if you say what's your two best wins, beating Kansas City and beating New Orleans Feels like the two best. I mean, you could make the case the best team in football. See if you would, Kansas City, right? Mm -hmm. And you could make the case that the Saints are the best with Drew Brees are the best team in the NFC. Yes. So there can't be anybody better if so, you beat the two best teams. Right? So, I mean, to, and then you could make the case that that KC loss was like one of the better losses of the year. I mean, if you're going to have to lose a game to the best team at their place with revenge, and you, there was one catch, right? The Raiders had. It was see, at home, the loss. Raiders lost at home. They won on the road, lost at home. Oh, I'm sorry. So last week, okay. But um, thank you for that correction. Still, though, against Kansas, I mean, the line was eight. They were one catch away from winning that game. But doesn't that say something about where we all thought the Raiders were a week ago, that they were eight-point home underdogs? That has to say how many eight-point home underdogs are we talking are way, way better than average? No, no, but... I agree, except I think Kansas City gets so much love. There's such a, I'm hearing people talking about, yep, it's a foregone conclusion. It's like, how many games are there? The fact that, that Mahomes, uh, the fact that Patrick Mahomes pulled off that drive is impressive. But the very fact he had to do that drive is the problem. And, and uh, the love of Kansas City, I don't get it. They could have, if they had lost any of those games except the Super Bowl, let's say, because even making the Super Bowl would have given you a lot of love. How many, well, we look at the season and say one loss, yeah, that's good. But, man, they could have lost to the Chargers. They could have. It just feels like that we're predetermining the end result because we're scared of Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, and Kansas City's getting credit for finishing the year 9-0 and at the end of last year and now 9-1. and So now they're actually up to 18-1 and their last 19. It's great. I mean, they're one of the better teams. But the Steelers are undefeated this year. And what? You, th you thought the Ravens were, like, so much better than them not that long ago. So it's, like we just, it's not just the – I heard more than one person say, if the Raiders had beaten Kansas City, I wouldn't have downgraded Kansas City at all. I tell you, I know how good they are. It's like, why? In what way? And all I know is if you look at the Raiders – like a win, like, the Cleveland Browns are seven and three, right? Am I right on that? Yep. They went in there and the wind and just won that game. Like it wasn't even. I had that's, a, that's a great point. So a team from the desert southwest goes into the nasty Midwest against a running team and 
completely dominates the game. I mean, I don't think the Browns could have won that game if they played for 50 years. I think Gruden, you know what it is, is it feels like the Raiders are old school and that Gruden's all dumb, dumb Gruden. And it's like, you listen to Mike Lombardi, Gruden's ability to be a uh, play complimentary football, understanding his defense isn't that good, controlling the clock, trying to... They, he's been in that. I mean, you call that Patriots a bad loss. That was before the Patriots were debunked. You're going into, into New England to play Belichick. Wasn't that bad of a game? I mean, that, if that's the bad game for the Raiders, and if you look at the COVID situation, I mean, that was one of the worst situations yeah. for a team. And if I'm not mistaken, that game was close in the third quarter, right? Yes, I believe so. I think that New England extended late. I would make the case that the... The Raiders might be, could be, if you just looked at the results, the fifth or sixth best results this year. Do you, so, Matt, you disagree? No, I do think, look, we can't give everyone a pass. We can't just pick and choose passes. We can't just, oh, well, you know, they were kind of close for a while with Tampa and in, in a game they got smoked. And, uh, you know, because the Bills score is misleading. You know, they only lost by seven to the Bills, but the Bills were in control of that game for most of the game. The Patriots' loss doesn't look great. I mean, look, the Raiders are playing better, and Gruden's doing a great job, but their O-line's still not great. Their defense is at 24 even seems generous, considering where you see a lot of where a lot of their stats are. And I think this is a bad spot. That What is the definition of a demoralizing loss? Your biggest motivation game of the year against the number one defending Super Bowl champs, who's also a division rival, at home, in the new stadium, have the game, have the lead, have a put together a big drive yourself to take the lead in under two minutes and then blow it only to lose to Mahomes again. And now you have to go all the way across the country, west to east early, to play a Falcons team nobody cares about and is writing off, but their stats are good. I mean, there's a lot of, regardless of how good the Raiders are overall, which is another debate, I am 100% with Fez on the Falcons. And the Raiders did have three straight divisional games. Contrast that to Atlanta that had a bye, then they had a bad game against New Orleans. So what are you saying? The spot favors Atlanta. Why? I'm, I'm if, saying why? Explain to me. Well, if I'm one, if one team has to play three straight division games, mm-hmm. those are all. So, you know, so they're tired. The well, those are tired? those are max effort games. So they're tired. The, yeah. And the Falcons are energized from losing, getting just dominated. By well, the having fans. a buy and then having a, a a loss is a is is a better spot in terms of. Well, couldn't the case be made this was a dream crusher for the Falcons? That there was some energy around uh, Raheem Morris and now. They they were all point. I mean, you had the Falcons. Well, they were right? three. Yeah, they were three and six. Yeah, so I mean, yeah, you're saying yeah, really quick. Yes, you I had, the, had Falcon. the Falcons. Yes, you thought they would play against. You bet against the Saints almost every week, haven't you? You hate the Saints because you saw Drew Brees throw a ball once and you said his arm's not strong, right? You do not like Drew Brees. That's not true. I mean, I've had Drew, Drew Brees. Now you now you had talked it up, but I agreed with you that the stats silently. No, you talk about noodle arm and how you look at the underlying numbers and they're just fine. And they're more than fine. He's yeah, been a top ten. He's been a top ten the whole year and now top five. And he was top two last year and top two the year before. People would love to have a quarterback like Drew Brees. And they just thought it was like it wasn't even. At what point did you think your Falcons game was a loss? Kickoff. Actually, it was. 
was no, really it, Atlanta had the lead early. Yeah. And there, there was a point where Taysom Hill actually threw a touchdown pass that got called back on a penalty. So mm-hmm. this could have been worse. And I was like, oh, boy, that's going to soften up the defense. And that, um, that's when I, I kind of felt like I was in big trouble with Atlanta. Uh, again, I agree with Matty. At some point, the score's a score. But through three quarters, Raiders were only down seven against Tampa. So, yeah, fourth quarter's there. I get it. I think that I am so sick, and I'm going to let this go, the analytics half-assed smart people that were all anti-Gruden. And where's the apologies? I'm not here. I'm not talking about anyone here. I'm talking about the guys at the ringer and those kind of guys that are all condescending. Gruden knows more football. He's forgotten more football than these guys ever dream of knowing. And they just sit there with their little abacuses thinking that they got something figured out. Why aren't you getting hired? All right, let's give Halibob or whatever his name is credit. He got he got Cuban to hire him. So at least he's getting paid for these half-assed. Or I'm not saying his are half-assed, but no one wants to pay these people anything. And that's why they're so mad. That's why Groot got paid $10 million just to announce football games. <laughs> these guys won't make $10 million in their lives, but somehow they spend their lives. Somehow they got a media platform. And this is a really hell of a story, this Gruden's pulling. When's the last time? I mean, Raiders got to be favored to make the playoffs right now. Mackenzie, what's the odds on that? Give me one second. All right. Any, so it's plus three. Um, We don't have the Super Contest lines yet. It's Tuesday. You like it plus three? Yes. I want to like it, and I probably do. I do agree with you. I think that the idea that the Falcons, because this line was pick them, the fact that that loss will demoralize him, I think there's still going to be some belief. I think if more, if it was an old coach, I think it would have been a, a bad demoralizing loss for the Falcons. I think they still think Morris might get the job. And thus, I think they still play hard for sure. him. Though Matt Ryan played bad. Got sacked eight times. I mean, that's holding the ball. See, that's the thing. Do you, do you look at sacks as a problem with the O-line or a problem that he's not getting rid of the ball? Depends. Both sometimes. And in Often. this one, what did you think it was? Both. Yeah. Raiders don't have a pass rush. Raiders only get one sack a game. Yeah, they, they, don't, have, they don't put much pressure Raiders are on. minus 170 to make the playoffs. They, Gruen's got these mother efforts at 170 to make the playoffs. Hey, he gets my applause. All right, second best bet, Matty Holt. I'm going to go kind of off the rails a bit and go with the L.A. Chargers plus five and a half against the Buffalo Bills. That's right. I'm going against the Buffalo Bills. But at the end of the day, despite the fact that the Chargers are only three and seven on the season, five of those seven losses come by five points or less. And the only two losses that come by more five are a seven-point loss at Tampa and an eight-point loss at Miami that they probably should have covered in. The only two teams in the NFL that haven't lost by more than one score, the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Chargers. Well, they've lost by more than – well, eight, I guess. Well, that's what they call one score. Okay. Yeah. So this is a team that just doesn't get blown out. And there's a good energy and good vibe around this team. Justin, I mean, the buzz around Justin Herbert and the future is bright. They're playing hard. Anthony Lynn's a problem. They blow a bunch of leads. But and and I don't I like think- them laying points, but catching a bunch of points, this Chargers team has been money in the underdog role, and I'm gonna back them again here. Do you think Anthony Lynn's a problem is the proper way to say it? It should be maybe Anthony Lynn's a big problem. He's a problem, yeah. He's like the dude from uh, No Country for Old Men with the with the air guns a problem. But we're not, thank goodness we're catching a bunch of points here no, and not laying them. The funny thing is, 
and this is so funny, is it seems like gambling really is built to hurt, like, emotionally. Because every smart handicapper, or most of them, thought when it was Miami in charge, it's like, oh, I'm getting plus one and a half. Teaser, baby. Seven and a half. And it falls eight. <laughs> and the funny thing was, I loved the Jets, and I loved the money line on the Jets, which what didn't win. And... The, if you look at the stats, the Chargers should have won that game by third. Oh my God! Yeah. And somehow the the Jets have had two covers, and or I guess the cover against the Patriots was a legit. Co- They've had three covers now, and two of them were lo- against the Bills. It was ludicrous. Did you see the second to last play, the end game on the Chargers Jets? No. So there's eight seconds left, and the Chargers have the ball like on their own 35, and they run backwards. So keep oh, them, safety, okay. Yeah. So keep in mind, it takes 30 yards off the rushing stats. So those great stats were even bigger oh, if you put that in there. But the uh, the punter, as guys approach him, steps out of bounds with one second left. If he just like you know ran sideways, he could have run the whole clock out. No one told him, hey. You know, we want to get all the time off. So they actually had to punt it off, and there was one more play. So just that Chargers special teams is just atrocious at all levels. Well, in a way, it's kind of clever. I mean, you don't see that intentional safety much anymore. So, I mean, yeah. you know, he's afraid he's going to get the ball slapped out of his hands. That's why he's going to get out there quick. Could have run to the corner of the end zone instead of the back. So, oh, Steve, if he only was like you. Herbert is now a heavy favorite to win Offensive Rookie of the Year, minus 750. Last week, he was plus 125. So, Tua in that loss and the benching, charges one and Burrow. Oh. All right, Fez, what do you think of his pick? I can't get behind the Chargers. Well, get I, some balls and press the button. Yeah, I'll press it. Are you sure you want to press it? No, I, you know what? I don't want to press it. I don't want to be talked into it because I love Herbert and I love the Chargers and all the offense that they're putting up. I just like the over in this game. I, 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 I got you want to talk about something. Yep. Can we talk about his pick? Yes. I, I had no opinion at all on this on this side. Really? No analysis. I'm not I'm not asking for opinion. I, I want think, to hear I want to hear game factors. I think the bill at a professional level. I think the Bills are actually a little bit undervalued and the Bills are playing very well since they're by. The Bills are three and one. I can make the case they one easy. and three against the spread. I can make the case they easily could be four and zero. Oh. They lost I'll on make a make the case. I don't think it's much of a case to say that it, if it wasn't for a hair. The hail mary against Arizona. You know, I'm going to say something controversial. I think the Bills could have won that game against Arizona. <laughs> Go ahead. Well, so here's a team that's winning each should be winning each and every week, and you know it's not like they're laying a big number here. I don't know that that's a good case, and and I don't like again. I the he, here's the problem is they're one in three against the spread, and you could say well they should be four and zero because of the hail mary. Well, if not for the fumble by Cam Newton, they lose to the Patriots. Well, no, that was. I mean, if you push it in from the twenty, I mean, I think I think overtime for sure. Overtime, at least yes, you're a coin flip going into overtime against the Patriots, but with the potential to lose the game. No, agreed. I mean, I look at the Bills. I, mean, let me I ask love you the Bills. You love the Bills. You got yeah. some Bills in your pocket. I think it's going to be a shootout. It's going to be a fun game. The Chargers don't get blown out. Chargers have better defensive personnel than the Bills. Does it worry you? McDermott and the Bills are renowned this year more than ever that they actually are changing their game plan on offense specifically each week. Like it's kind of Belichickian as in some weeks they're throwing a bunch, some weeks they're running it, you know, and – 
I'm not an X's and O's guy, so I'm not the type to say, oh, look, they're dragging the tight end. But I always worry about bad coaches against good coaches. So does the Bills having a good coach? Good coach. I mean, I like the Chargers when it's just pure talent. If it's just pure talent against talent, Chargers do okay. I worry about the coach. Are you down? Raiders have a good coach, right? We all said Gruden's a good coach. They yeah. lost by five in L- in Vegas. I mean, yeah. this is just a Raiders team that hangs around. They have too much ta- talent not Chargers. to hang around. Yeah, the Chargers. All right. I know. I'm. I don't listen. I don't love the card this week. So, and you bring up a great point that Buffalo's got two good running backs, obviously three good wide receivers. So McDermott, there's a lot of options offensively for what he does with Josh Allen. All right. I can listen. I'm certainly not pressing the button the other way. I find it just so hilarious that even when they play the Jets, they can't blow anyone out. It's like it's almost irrational. Yeah. All right. I'm going to hang back. and Let's just say, let's be super clear. My picks were not good. And I said it on Twitter. I said, listen, I'm, I thought last weekend was the weekend. I, I, sometimes I win, I don't, and I think I'm seeing it okay. Sometimes I lose, I think I'm seeing it great. I we lost. I lost with the stuff, and and I'm not seeing it. The the Vikings losing shocked me. Uh, the Denver Broncos shocked me. I you know beating Miami that bad. I know Miami was a little overrated, but geez, uh, it was a shocking series of games in my opinion. So I'm just questioning all my assumptions. Finally, though, before we move on to go rotation order here for Sunday's games, the Hitman. Has a best bet. Oh, so Feds, wait a minute. You had a total in this game? Yeah, I like the over. You like the over? Hmm, let's see what the handman has. Best bet, Bills, Chargers, over 54. The total's just not high enough. I see no reason why this total shouldn't be in the 56-57 range, which is what the Bills' most recent game was lined at against Arizona. Buffalo has 87 pass attempts in comparison to 22 running back carries over their past two games, resulting in games of 78 and 62 combined points. The Chargers also have been a dead nuts over team since they put in Justin Herbert at quarterback. This defense allowed a previously lifeless Jets offense to score 28 points. And over their last eight games, the lowest amount of points scored in a Chargers game was 50 points. Early weather reports call for some light wind, but not enough to affect either one of these passing games. Best bet, Chargers, Bills over the 54. All right, we'll just assume it was a coincidence that Steve and the Hit. Do you want to make a case about your over in the bill? Because you like the over in that game. That was what you were trying to do before when we were talking about the best bet. You were like, well, that's nice, Fred, but I want to talk about the over. It's like, it's what his best bet. But let's move. The, do you have any other analysis on the over there? No. So you have a pick with no analysis, but it matches the Hitman? That's weird. Just that the Buffalo. Going back to some of their games that were lower scoring, they played some games in weather. Remember that Jets game? They kicked all those field goals? Yeah, no touchdowns, and they only there was only 28 points scored I mean, in that imagine game. Imagine eight field goal attempts. Should have been more points. I know. God. And, you know, the Jets shouldn't have even covered that game. This is not a repeat. Next game, Patriots, Cardinals. Cardinals, two and a half. Extra vig here. Now, think about this. The summer line in this game... The summer line was Patriots by five and a half. 
and now it's two and a half the other way. That's almost eight points. Wow. Is that too much? Let's do this. Let's go around the horn on Arizona themselves. Because part of me thought this team, it was a little too football sexy. Matt, I was thinking of you the week you missed. Because we were having that big argument about, uh, and you kept pushing it too. We were having that argument about um, Arizona running the ball, you know, with, with Kyler Murray. Have you come around on that at all? Like, because no. it seems like, really? Not really. Mackenzie, throw up those Kyler Murray but running But if he's running the ball the same amount, I don't but understand. That's, but see, that's the funny thing is, I don't know how. I didn't have the numbers in front of me that I was looking after. In the first six games, he had run the, he had double-digit runs once. And then in the, in the five games or the but, first five games. Go ahead. But you said the change happened. But we said, hey, the three games before the yeah, supposed yeah. change happened, he ran 10, 14, and 11 times. No, no. So I, I guess maybe the debate was framed wrong, but I guess now in hindsight, the question is, would you say Kyler Murray's running is a big part of his success? Because it does feel it's like— It's a big part of their offense, but it has been for a while, and they tend to win, lose, win, lose, win, win, lose. Now, against Seattle, we only ran the ball five times. So these, these were his rushing attempts— 13, it's starting the season, 13, 8, 5, 6, 9, 10, 14, 11, 11, then 5. So you watched, I mean, everyone watched the Thursday game. Did it feel like the Seattle was making a point to stop his run? Oh, my, yes. That was their point of emphasis. So does that maybe open up the field now? Because in theory, it caught, you know, if you just were doing that, there's no reason not to do it unless it weakens you somewhere else. Does this mean Kyler Murray maybe gets to throw the ball better and more? Well, just like Lamar Jackson, if we make Kyler Murray throw the ball, are we sure that that he's going to be great at it? No. But if he isn't, then he's a bust, even though they're talking like he's the best young quarterback. Well, I guess we're going to find out. Wouldn't you, if, if we took every quarterback right now that is two years or less, Justin Herbert, over Kyler over Murray? Over everybody. And, and would you have had Burrow before no. the injury? What about you, Fez? I'll still take Murray. And uh, so, so you're a Murray acolyte. Make the case. Right now, he is a good thrower, not a great thrower, but those legs and what he's done. <laughs> those that's funny. Those legs on Murray. I mean, he's he's he doesn't even get hit. He just. This is Lamar Jackson argument four weeks ago. He doesn't get hit. He throws the ball off play action because they run it so well. Mm. And now the league figured out how to stop him, and everyone thinks he's terrible. What's going to happen when they figured out how to stop Kyler Murray running? Lamar oh, yeah, they Jackson went always got hit. That's the difference. Uh, but okay. him getting hit isn't the problem. That might be a uh, comment towards sustainability. Yes. But really, Lamar Jackson ha isn't that he's getting hit. That's never banged up, never missing time or games. I he's think huge. long term that was a concern, but, but and I'm saying that in the past tense, it still is. But I think they've stopped. I mean, at this point, the league's figuring him out, right? Well, how do we know that his passing? I agree, but how do we know his passing deficiencies aren't partly based upon he's getting? Never, he's never passed well in his life. His numbers were much better last year. Well, his numbers, pure stats, but by any sense of, like, PFF or whatever, his ability to hit windows was – I mean, you don't have to be a scout to see he's not a great thrower. Uh, I mean, NFL – he's not Drew Brees. He's, you know – I'm interested to see what the Patriots do. I mean, if anyone – in a way, if anyone's going to, you know, debunk Kyler Murray, it's going to be Belichick. 
Yeah, Belichick takes away what you do best and what's easiest for you to do best. So you would have to expect uh, Belichick's going to take away Murray, right? Of running New the ball. England is bad, bad, bad against running quarterbacks. Yeah. I mean, this might be a problem. Does this line surprise anyone? No, I think the Patriots are hard to figure out. I mean, it just feels like Arizona being such a big favorite here. I mean, you know, all moving towards three, what would, I mean, if we look again at the line, the look ahead was a one and a half, so it's not a huge, yeah, if anything, well, I guess Arizona, Arizona probably gets a little more credit, yeah, I don't know, I, to me, this is a tough one, I don't, I don't bet against Belichick, but I think Arizona's surge, I actually like the coach Arizona a little bit more, Kingsbury, I just think he, I like his creativity. I'm passing. What do you got, Fez? Anything? Dream crusher. I don't think we've ever said that about New England, but they're four and seven. They're done now. And I do think that for a team that's competed for Super Bowls for so many years. No way. No way? Belichick, you're not going to play. He'll he'll just keep cutting people if that's the case. I think the COVID thing was a surprise that people sat out. But once they're there, they're in. I mean, it's like, you. I mean, honestly, this is like, I don't want to be, like, religious here, but if you would have been writing under Shakespeare, if you would have been, like, Shakespeare's manuscript guy, this is, like, what it's to play for Belichick. There will never be another Belichick. He's the best coach. It's not even close. Vince Lombardi, forget it. And he's there coaching. He, and you think he's watching a movie? Oh, no. I'm just saying the team, the attitude of the team. Yeah, I, if anything, he welcomes this kind of thing. I mean, he doesn't welcome it, but he wants to see how his team reacts. I mean, you could say the same thing against the Ravens. I just think his team's – listen, Cam Newton's not playing well. I mean, let's just say this. If we would have had Stidham play this year, would we have expected more or less or about the same from him than it's Cam's delivered? About the same. And what did we think was going to happen if Stidham played? They, weren't, they were going to be a 500 team, yeah. right? Anything else, Matt? You know, the Patriots aren't playing well, but they are 2-1 and one in their last three. And what's happening? Cam Newton's not throwing interceptions. And he's been throwing interceptions all year long. He's gone four straight games without throwing an interception, which resulted in a three-point loss at Buffalo, in which they could have won, a seven-point loss at Houston, and a win over Baltimore, and a win over the Jets. This offense isn't playing great, but at least it's not turning the football over like crazy like it was with Cam. I think he's at least settling into his role. Let's face it, the MVP Cam is long gone. That guy doesn't exist anymore. But Josh McDaniels is settling in him into a role here, and he's not turning the football over. And he just threw for 365 yards with no interceptions. When Cam Newton at this point could throw the ball 40-plus times, for 365 yards and not turn the ball over, we're starting to make progress here on the offensive side for New England. I, I don't have enough confidence in him because I can't read this team this year yeah. to play him, but I certainly don't want Arizona here. If you if you put a forced lean on me, I'd take Patriots. Last thought, I think if you like the Patriots, you have to like the under. I think this is a game that if the Pats play the way they want, they're going to slow this thing down and control the ball. I think that's strong. I this think there feels is a like good... the giant. This feels like the old school Giants with Parcells and Belichick, where the way they win, have Cam run the ball. Now they threw from behind against Houston. His stats were fine, but 
He didn't win. I know, but they didn't turn it over again. Yeah. Is what I'm saying. It he's, feels like the Patriots. He's seeing the defense better. He's not throwing into bad coverages. I think the, I pa- the Patriots are going to get 23 points, right? We're pretty confident right around that number. Mm, okay, yeah. The, I mean, whatever the math. I mean, I, and the, but the volatility is like Arizona's supposed to get 26. That's what the math says. Wouldn't surprise me if Arizona got 36 or 20. I agree that there's variance. There. I think that's the key to the game. But let's say this: if the Patriots are playing well. They're going to purposely slow this because the, the team leading gets to control the game page. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think the Pats really want to slow this down. The total's 50. So I'd say Pats and under if you like the Pats. I don't. I'm going to pass. All right. Joe Burrow gone. Giants now somehow, some way on the road favored by five and a half. Fez, this is your honorary Finley game. It was about a year ago. Uh, you know, I actually got some tape on it. And about <laughs> let me give. Why don't you give your analysis on this game, and then I'll, I'll pull out the tape from last year. So the Bengals are scuffling with Andy Dalton. They're bringing in a change. No, 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 no. Andy Dalton. <laughs> I'm talking about this game. Oh, uh, so you said last year. No, no, no. I, I got tape on that. Oh. I just want your analysis on this game. All right. I really think that this is a dream crusher and a franchise crusher for the Bengals with not just Burrow. I've never heard you say franchise crusher. That's your That's, term. Oh, okay, good. But I but I, th- I but I'm using it because I think I it's, know. it's applicable where they're second guessing That's what people still do. They're second guessing Taylor and Burrow throwing too much and look at what happened against Washington as soon as Burrow got carted off the field. The Bengals absolutely collapse. Normally, you lose your quarterback, team plays harder, and the energy level just left the offense and the defense for the Bengals in that game where Washington outgained them 200 to 17 the rest of the way. 200 to 17? 200 yards for Washington. I rounded up 199. Mm-hmm. The Bengals got 17 the rest of the way. And how much time, how much time was left in the game? There was like 26 minutes left in the game. It was four minutes into the third quarter that Burrow went down. Bengals. So if you extrapolate out, they're going to have 38 yards over a game at that pace, the Bengals? Yes. With Finley? Yes. Well, luckily, we got some tape. Let's listen. I love the Bengals. Now, if if there was Manny Dalton, I might like him. I'm not sure. But this Finley, he's got something. Call it the air factor. Bat him. Bat him. Bat him, Bengals. Steve, what were you thinking? Baltimore won by 36. The team knows Findlay can't play a lick. They're not going to rally behind Findlay. Normally, I like rallying behind a fallen star situation, but this is a um, this is a quarterback the Bengals are not going to rally behind. But well, you were a big fan of Findlay. I was. What, what, what was the source of that? Strong preseason play that year. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my gosh. All right, Matt, you, or, Matt, you got anything? Uh, I like the Bengals plus six. So you like them? Well, I had to pick Ooh, five. Yeah, I know. And the lo- real line's five and a half, and the line that we were using was six. So I <laughs> thought I automatically get value as All my right. fifth pick. You All know, right. You but get what you thinking? You love Finley? This is the Giants. Like, we're suddenly saying that the Giants are just going to come out and destroy people and on the road, and look, at the end of the day, did Cincinnati play terrible in the second half? Yeah, but it was in-game adjustment on the road against the defense that we all say, while it isn't great in Washington, the one strength they've had all year is they put pressure on opposing quarterbacks. They have a good D-line. Why are they throwing so much, the Bengals? I'm just feeling bad for Burrow. Yeah, okay. I mean, I have a heart, dude. 
I, I just don't know that this week um, suddenly the Giants are going to be the team that gets margin because they haven't been that team all year. I, I've yet to see a Giants team that I thought, boy, they could get margin. And because of that, I think six, you know, six is a good value. And the number is going to be five, so you're already going to get a point extra. Fez, what was your reaction when you saw Burrow went down? <laughs> I didn't have a bet on it, so I didn't have a dog in the fight. I was indifferent. But really? Like, you see, like, the one of the young, talented quarterbacks maybe never going to be the same, and your thought was, I don't care. It doesn't affect me. Aren't you a Bengals fan? Nah. <laughs> I mean, growing up, yeah. That's long gone. That, that, fez, that fez is long gone. <laughs> all, all, honestly, all things being equal, the more quarterback injuries, the better, because I do better when I'm wagering on low total games because there are less variance than high total games in live wagering. Do you – does when you see a quarterback go down, I'm not saying you root for it, but when they go down – what's your emotion? It's a slightly positive thing because it's going to help me make money betting. You got that, Matt? I just went to the bathroom. Make sure – log that, please. Will do. All right. I like the team total here. So we were talking about this a little before the show. Um, so right now there's like eight teams out there, Steve. Bengals I like under. Yes. So if we do the math here, we're saying it's five and a half – uh, 43 is the total. So let's just take off six. So we go to 37. And now we got what? 18 and a half plus you add in back to the Giants. So really, this is mathematically correct, right? Now you were thinking it's a it's little a, high. You think now you understand the conversions a little better than me. So you, you're surprised. But Pinnacle had it high, high, right? Yeah, Pinnacle had 19 and a half under minus 14. Was 19 and a half or 19? Oh. Yeah, take a gander. Matt, what do you think of that? Because I mean, to me, it isol- if the Giants' D is not going to struggle, meaning that if they do, it's not because they're a big favor. If, you, if, if a team's not used to being a big favor, it's the offense you worry about, right? Most in this case, yeah. Yeah, so do we maybe get away from that and focus on Bengals under? Could be. What do you think? Yeah, it is. I agree, and it is 19 and a half. Okay. Which, yeah, I, I'm that just, worries me, the 19 and a half. So why is one of the sharper books in the world 19 and a half? And I want to lay under 18? Because the, well, we yeah. the, the total opened 45, and they're just doing the math without making, you know. Well, let's just say this. It doesn't feel, let's just say this. 18 is not super valuable. 19, thus we get a little cushion if this thing starts going down. Because right, the only way this thing goes down is the Giants goes up, right? The spread, or if the total goes down. Yeah, and the total is ticking up. What, you know, right that's a great point about asymm- asymmetric risk. That's strong because twenty is so much more valuable than eighteen and nineteen. Or combined. even if we know we only get nineteen, but if the whole market settles up, and you know, I'm just worried when when someone's in the lead, when a book's in the lead, that's saying something, right? I mean, would you guys agree with that? When there's moves. The first book to move that says we're creating a new market, we're willing that because in theory, if the world's at three or let's say four, and you go to four and a half first, you're saying we want to get all the action out there at plus four and a half. They want the dog yeah. at that point, right? If you are one of ten books out there, you're still going to get action, but it's not like you're the one, right? So pinnacle right now, if you're playing under Bengals, you got to play a pinnacle. Yes, but most books, if, if you, meaning if you have all the books as yes. Another. So the bank, they're saying, come on, boys, we're the yeah. best in the market. 
And that's why I don't. Yeah, I want to see it settle in and then decide. And if it starts to go down in theory, you know, one time when we have more time, one thing I've never thought of is if the Bengals team total goes down, it could be because the, like we said, the Giants are getting bet up the spread. Or, But how that gets allotted is interesting. So in theory, you could watch, like when there's injuries, and sometimes you'll see the, the total go down three, but the spread stays the same. But so far, the spread's dropping. It was like 6.25, and now it's like 5.6 already. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm gonna and keep... it's really it's like five point four. I've seen some five and a half minus oh five. To me, it feels my gut is maybe it's too obvious to play Bengals on a team total, but part of me thinks people are underestimating how bad this coach is. I think he's gonna he's gonna lose. I think it might be the whole building's like not. Sh- it feels like almost like he's gonna get fired. I mean, why do you retain this guy at this point, right? When you get the number one pick, you're supposed to do better the next year. The Bengals. I mean, from what I understand. They were better this year than but last year. But what I'm saying, if Joe Burrow were an average, if he didn't play extraordinarily well, did anyone else really play well? It, no. It, it Burrow like has he was, carried this team. And finally his knee gave out. All right, next game. The 7-3 and three Browns, now favored by almost a touchdown on the road, 6.5 at Jacksonville. I like the total here. I'm going over. How many totals do you have? I think this Any is the sides? last one. Any sides? Any sides? How many signs? Five. All right. And we haven't gotten any yet? Your best bet and that's it? No, I like Atlanta. I actually liked Arizona against New England. Did you also. say that? I think I did. Did you hear it, Matt? No. I'll take it. I'll oh. green button it. Ooh, where's the green button? Oh, here we go. I'll take New England plus two and a half. Well, that's interesting, Steve, is that, that, that you don't even tell us that you have a like? All right. But let's make sure you give the likes now. So, so far, your likes are what? Atlanta. And Arizona. All right. So now you guys have a three hundred dollar bet on that. You got the Patriots. You got Arizona. Yeah. All right. All right. Like the over, going back to the Cleveland Jacksonville game. I know Cleveland went under. I spoke last week on the pod about how I like Cleveland over because they played those back to back games at home in horrific conditions, and because of that, all the stats on Cleveland and scoring were depressed in those two games. Prior to that, Cleveland games had averaged 60 points per game. Well, what happened? There was no wind last week, but it did rain the entire game, and that did depress. Was that unexpected? It was Cause not. I, I, my understanding is you know, rain's never an excuse for, for uh, low scoring. The, the case could be made that it helps scoring. So we're going to excuse away because of rain now? It was a heavy rain, <laughs> and, the total, and, the, and the total did get hit. Not until the weekend, and it came down from 47.5 to 45 because of the forecast, the updated forecast so, for the heavy rain. So that means that they expected the total to be 45, and that's how, what was the total? 39 points. So two points of that. I mean, how do you understand how insidious it is? I think you just dismiss by like 18 points on it because the market thought it was worth two. Like the market is speaking on what they think that rain is worth, I, right? I understand, but my eyes, as I'm watching the game, sees this heavy downpour and the quarterbacks both struggling big time with it. And I think it's Mayfield's one of those quarterbacks that doesn't play well in these conditions. So the market three was straight just, weeks. The market was just so wrong. So wrong. They should have had that. What, what should the total have been? Maybe forty. You think? Forty-two. And the total was what? Forty-five point. And what did, and what was the final point total? Thirty nine. Okay, so this is this is as simple as 
that they've played in bad weather, thus the results are not telling. Yes, three straight games. And nothing else. That's it. All right. Matt, what you got? Uh, I don't know what to make of this game. So the problems for me are right now as we record this pod on Tuesday, Cleveland's going to be missing some key guys due to COVID. So Miles Garrett's out, their best defensive player, you know, the number one draft pick on the D-line due uh, to COVID. Isn't this longer? I mean, what is the tip? Are we sure he's out at this point? He's listed as out on okay. the injury well, that I mean, that's out. Yeah, um, it's not doubtful it's out. And their offensive lineman, Chris Hubbard, with COVID is listed as out. So, you know, it's hard to project how those things are going to go throughout the week. I don't like losing a starting offensive lineman in my best D lineman. And I don't even know who's going to start at quarterback for the Jags. And the game is off the board some places in circle. Who do you wish? Like, if you are... If you like the, if you're supporting the Jags, not say you are, who's the better quarterback? Probably Minshew because their O line's so bad. You need to get the ball out quick. I think that Jake Luton has a better arm talent, but maybe they don't have the line for to allow him to show that arm talent. Yeah, wind up. Oh yeah, he he, but he can huck it, right? I mean, he's got to chuck it. <laughs> uh, uh, you know what I said? Only thing worse than Luton. Gluten. Yeah. I mean, wow. He was the worst if you look at the stats uh, outside of garbage time. I think, well, you know, he was second worst or third. I can't remember exactly. It was Matt Stafford. Stafford was second. And then I think third was uh, Flacco. Oh, my God, it was Flacco. And oh. Flacco's general stats were fine. But <laughs> you get outside of garbage time, it was bad. I think he had 14th place out of garbage time, though. That's funny. <laughs> Oh, Lord. That is, wow, that doesn't even make sense. But because the Jets won the game. Oh, I'm sorry. The Jets only lost by, what was it, eight? Six. 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 Oh, there was that safety at the end, right? So they would have covered either way. Yes. But if you actually look at the win chances, you would think if you lose by six, it's a one-score game, right? The chances of the Jets winning that game, and what we do is, and this is a new thing McKenzie's been working on with me, is we look at it, and Matt, tell me if you like this approach. I think we talked about it once real quick, is we take the average chance to win between 15 minutes and 10 minutes, each instance, each play, and then we take it from, from a 10 to 5 and from 5 to 1. So three chunks of time to three chunks of the uh, fourth quarter only. And we give it 1x for the first 5, 2x, and 4x. So there's seven units. The first five minutes gets one. Second five gets three. Third five gets four. Or, or I'm sorry, second five gets two, four. So we're really waiting it to the end. But we're glad, if you're doing well in the fourth quarter, so now that average is the Jets' chance of winning was 3.8%. You lose a game by six and you have less than a 4% chance to win. That shows you how these one-score stats are so right. off. Yeah. Yeah, Jets are not good. But anyway, finally, I, I'm, actually, I'm going to ask a question and then we'll move on because my best bet is probably going to be next as I look at it. How do we handle, like the Giants, a Browns team that's not used to laying almost a touchdown on the road? Is it just stay away? Or are there certain types of these teams that you're okay with? Like, how do you think about it? Because in general, the squares are going to say, oh, yeah, Jags are, are horrible. Yeah, and they said that week one, and then 370 people out of 
know, 1,300 and Survivor went out because the Jags weren't that horrible. They're still an NFL team. And What would that Colts line be right now against the Jags, Fez? In Indy? Yeah, where the first game was, right? I think it was in Jacksonville that game, oh, and right. it was nine and a half. So I've got, I got those teams 14 points apart so it's, on a neutral. It'd be higher now. And I agree. So... Uh, I mean, the you... Jags were supposed to be not only the worst team in the league, but they were supposed to be like tanking and the worst team ever. And will they even win a game? And now that's, that's the Jets, of course. But the Jags are right where they're supposed to be, one and eight. Yeah, which is bad, though. Yeah, it's really bad. It's just shocking they beat the Colts. Just I just don't bad. have it in me to play Cleveland because I'm COVID concerned here. Your best defensive players out. Yeah. You know. So it's more COVID than they're in an unfamiliar favorite role. And RJ, yeah. you, I think you brought up the good point that a team that's not used to winning that suddenly is winning and is, and is favored is less likely to become complacent because this is new, this is exciting, I'm revved up to go, versus if I'm a savvy See, it's playoff funny. Team. I've said that before, and you're right, but it feels like if a team got momentum, if it feels like a college team, I don't get that from the Browns. I get that they're kind of workmanlike, and maybe here they're going to be a little. Things worked out against Philly because Carson was turning the football over again. Things and... worked out against Houston because they were hopeless, couldn't run the ball in the in I mean, the elements. I, listen, I, I mean, amazingly, this seven-win team, the Raiders beat them. I mean, how many nice wins do the Raiders have? Whew. I Maybe I'm just a Vegas guy. You're a Kentucky guy. Fez, you're a Dayton guy. I'm a Vegas guy. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, I'm going to make this my best bet. Vikings, four-point favorites over the Panthers. Up until this shocking Cowboys defeat of the Vikings, Vikings were playing the best ball in the NFL the last four weeks. I think everyone is going to be off the Vikings, and let's look at the look-ahead line here. Wait a minute. How could that be? Hold on a second. Hold on a second. This look ahead line was three and a half, and now it's four? And Carol I'm confused. Carolina just with a backup oh wait a second. Is the backup quarterback. Okay, but what we're Bridgewater saying is still questionable. The game's we don't we don't know if Bridgewater's gonna play. We yeah, think game we think he's probably gonna play. And this one's really circled. It's it's we probably think he's going to play, but it's bettable right now. Yes. Yeah, it's bettable. But does this? What? What? What do you think the line? If Bridgewater plays, what do you think? McCaffrey's the not going to play. Not that that matters a lot. Yeah. But he's not yeah. Play. So I, I have these teams two points away in my power rings, assuming Bridgewater, plus home field. Then. So you're saying under that theory, you like the Panthers? From a power rating perspective, yes. And but the, but the, what else do you think of this game? I think the spot's great for the Vikings. Really? You could call that a dream crusher, the game they just lost, right? Yes, you could. Okay. But I, I still think, think the, the Vikings are playing so well under Zimmer, and I don't think Zimmer is the type of coach that his team quits. So well that they're 3-6? and six? How well can a 3-6 and six team be playing? Well, statistically, they were playing the best football for, like, four games. They were playing as good as anyone. And I, and I look at Carolina. So they lose Bridgewater. They bring in uh, P.J. Walker. and it's He walks tall. The, fa the falling star drops out, and the team just rises up, offense and defense, plays Who's super Who's the star, hard. Bridgewater? Yeah. Well, I mean, it, their quarterback gets hurt. Right? Okay. So they play for their unproven quarterback. And I, Carolina, I mean, that shutting out anybody is 
no defense is good enough to shut anybody out in the NFL. That's about the offense being inept, and Detroit was inept with the injuries and Stafford being horrible. And I could easily see Carolina getting that upset win and being happy about themselves and Bridgewater coming back and playing and everyone exhaling, not giving quite as much effort. So you're saying you wished that— They were an underdog for all of, like, 22 minutes, right? I mean, they were minus one and a half, and then they announced Bridgewater out, and it went to Detroit favorite for all of, like, 20 minutes before kickoff. Is that right? So I don't know that we can call it they're fresh off the big upset win. <laughs> they no, were, but I guess in a way it was unexpected. Yeah, you know, right. they, they would dominate like that, I think. It's fair to say. Th- that part is unexpected, but this wasn't an upset. Do you think the Panthers are going to be flat? Yes. Uh, that makes me not like this pick. I, I'm going to pull it back. Because I don't understand this line. Did this look-ahead line assume? Well, I assume it has something to do with the Minnesota offensive line trouble still. I mean, both of these teams have questionable offensive lines. So Thielen's questionable, their best wide receiver. But their starting tackle, Ezra Cleveland, is questionable this week. And eh, high ankle sprain, who knows? And the starting guard, Drew Samia, is, has COVID. He's, he's listed as out that would with be, COVID. That would be more reason... What I don't understand is... But when they were playing their best, their offensive line was playing well and they were running the ball behind Cook. I agree, but what I'm saying is I'm confused by the line move. Wouldn't we agree the following? Whatever we thought the line was a week ago, meaning whatever the assumptions were, the since then Minnesota laid an egg, right? That's down for them. Since then Carolina played really well. That's up for them. Since then, you're saying Minnesota's banged up. So that's down for them. Everything is saying this line, Minnesota should have looked so much better relatively a week ago. A week ago, the line was three and a half. But they're they're now factoring in Bridgewater to potential halfway to P.J. Walker. So it's 50-50 right now, so you have to go halfway to P.J. But when they had the look-ahead line, they were wondering Bridgewater was uncertain for that weekend next week too, right? No, he was never questionable all week. He was not on the injury report, oh. then out. Okay, so what you're saying is, was that right? I remember we were talking Bridgewater. I think I think he, he was um, – questionable from Wednesday on. We weren't sure about Stafford. We weren't sure about... But I don't know that it was ever a legit questionable. There was never... The game was never circled. It was never off the board. No, it was off the board. It was... We couldn't even find it. Remember, Circa had Detroit minus one and a half. Uh, You know what? I traveled a lot. I may have missed it. Well, you have the line of uh, um, uh, archive, right? Yes. Not this week, last week. Uh, Of course. Yeah, just pull that out. Because I do remember there was conversation. But I'm just saying this doesn't make sense to me is I felt like, I mean, obviously it's a day early here, so we're not as deeply prepared. Yeah, we're just showing it off Monday through Thursday because it was only up at Circa during that time. Okay, and then you're saying from when to when was it off the board? Monday through Thursday, then Friday it came back up and Detroit was minus two. All right, so I guess what I'm saying is it feels like everything's gone against Minnesota. I was looking at the value play. And as I look at it, it's saying, wait a minute. They're saying that Minnesota's in a better spot now than they were before. The only thing that could make sense is if the look-ahead line presupposed that it was Bridgewater, and now there's some question about Bridgewater. I don't think there's any question about Bridgewater or much because my understanding is this was a true game-time decision, meaning I was reading through the tweets of the ESPN, the guys that follow each team, the team guys, the nation, I think they call it, and literally – Bridgewater was out on the field walking around trying to feel how his mobility was. That that guy plays a week later, right? Yeah, I agree. And there was actually a notice that came across. Oh, Bridgewater likely to play. The line goes That's to why pick him. Saturday night, 
when I didn't put it, I mean, remember, one of you guys are both, oh, no, I think you liked them. Um, Lions plus one and a half. Yeah. yeah. So when did you say Detroit went to two on Friday? That Detroit. was at Circa only, I believe. But it's yeah, on her sheet, Detroit minus two. I know Circa had Detroit favored. Well, either way, I mean. Yeah, on Sunday, 20 minutes for the. Yeah, so the reason I actually didn't play the Lions, because you had it as your second best pick, right? Yes. I said, I, you know, I just saw a late report. I, you know, this was Saturday night. I thought Bridgewater was going to play. I'm like, well, we're, the only reason to play this is off of Bridgewater not playing. Right. <sighs> I don't know. This, this is all confusing to me. By the way, Minnesota to make the playoffs, knows minus 700, yes, plus 470. So obviously a long shot. Um, so 15% chance is the implication. Last week it was 36. So their, their odds have been cut in half and more. This could be, but I don't, you know, the more I think about it, I thought I'd be getting real value here. Nah, I'm going to wait. All right, next game, Colts, Titans. What did you think of that? Open, quick discussion. Green Bay, I liked them against the Colts. What was there? Any takeaways there? No, not really from my side. I thought they came out playing well and then things. Uh, yeah, it was like 20. What was it, 28 at halftime they had? Yeah, 28-14, and that was despite a bad turnover in the first half by Green Bay where Rodgers just mishandled a snap or could have been up even more. Green Bay really gave this away. Now, it's easy to look at turnovers minus two, but all turnovers are not created equal. They had that first turnover fumble on the on the bot snap, and then Green Bay turned it over twice in their final two possessions with ugly fumbles, and that ultimately cost them the game. Okay, so what we do is we actually look at all the turnovers in a given game, and then we say, what's the net result of turnovers? So, Mackenzie, I'm looking at the printout you gave me. You don't have any week-to-week in here? Yes, the last page is last week. Oh, here we go. Thank you. All right, so resetting here. Colts, Titans, three and a half at this point. So this is saying the Colts are clearly the better team with the lessened or lesser home field in the COVID year. Fez, who's the, how much better have you got the Colts in your power ratings? So I've got Colts three points better than average team. And I have second Tennessee half a point better. So I've got them two and a half points apart. So Tennessee is an, pretty much an average team. So this is a team that – what's their record? Tennessee is second, 7-3. 7-3, three. Three and they're pretty much an average team. Yes. Does that work? It works. They had the three close wins against the so that, bad teams to start the year. No, who's the bad teams? Second, Denver, Jacksonville, Houston. Houston's bad, huh? No, they're not bad. They're below it. They were below average. They were below average. So are we talking about what they were, what they are? I'm well, Cooks and... anything, they were better back then. No, they weren't because Cooks and Fuller, their wide receivers, were banged up. So they, were, they were playing, but somehow yeah. you know they weren't quite right. They weren't getting targeted. Now, I, getting... If I remember, who'd you have in that game? Houston, Tennessee. I don't recall. Really? You don't remember losing in overtime? You had Houston? Oh, uh, yes. Yeah. So you I had Houston. thought Houston was bad, huh? And you bet them? Doesn't make sense, does it? All right, let's look at this thing. Now, they went into Denver and they won. This is starting in week one, Tennessee. They played Jacksonville. Jacksonville, now listen, we thought Jacksonville was decent because they played the Colts. I, I am not impressed by 33-30 against Jacksonville. So, okay, fine. They go at Minnesota, a team that we end up thinking isn't so bad, and they win in Minnesota. It's a pretty nice win, wouldn't you say? Yes. Okay, now... 
canceled against Pittsburgh, canceled against Buffalo. Then it was Buffalo on that Tuesday, and they dominate. They, the, how's the Bills? Pretty good? Solid team. Solid? Where you got them right? Tenth. So they dominate the Bills, right? Yes. Okay. Now, we could debate, were the Bills in a bad spot? I think it's a valid conversation. Then they beat Houston 42-36. Houston's a pretty good team. Well, you got 20th by DVOA. Okay. Now they play Pittsburgh, and they lose by three, and they almost win, right? Yes, they were plus three in turnovers. Okay. So, all right, sometimes you're plus three. But when you win almost every game, and then they play at Cincy, and it was a stinker, no doubt. So let's call that their stinker. Then they go and cover against the Bears, win by seven. And I'm running down the list here. And then they get dominated by the Colts, a team, quite frankly, that is, what is it, like 20 of 24 they've won? And, I mean, obviously we're going to see that here. And I'm not saying that I like Tennessee, but I'm saying the idea that they're only plus a half, and then finally they beat Baltimore. So the good wins for this team are at Minnesota, close loss against Pittsburgh, so not a good win, beat Buffalo, uh, you know, we want to call Hugh and let's call Baltimore and call Houston a half a win and Denver at home with the altitude week one. Who'd you have in that game? Denver, right? Yes. And their field goal kicker missed some field goals or they cover that game. It just, I, I could see you saying that, that Tennessee's not great. Who's like, who's right above them in your power ratings? Vegas. All right. I, I don't know, but I think those two are close. Go ahead. Arizona. See, I tell you this, I take Arizona, or I take Tennessee all day over Arizona. Boy, I don't know about this Arizona team. I mean, think about this. Ah, I mean, we've gone over them, but if it wasn't for Hail Mary, it seems like Hail Mary's changing a lot of opinions here because other than that, I don't know what's been their good wins. Right? They get. I mean, I guess you could call the Seattle, but you want to talk about turnovers, and then they get beat in Seattle pretty handily. I don't know. I think Tennessee is one of those the public thinks they're better than they are, and you might be a little too smart for your own what's that a little too smart for your own good here. But with your power ratings as they are, what does it say this line should be? Three and a half. Okay, and the line's three and a half. How do you account for the Colts Titans series and how it just seems to be Colts, Colts, Colts? You know, I don't pay much attention to prior years. You know, in this year, I think that this is a really good situation for Tennessee because in that game against Indianapolis, they lose at home by 17, and they got outplayed, no doubt about it. But also, that was the game there was a blocked punt and a shanked punt, so that led directly to 14 punts, and I made the case— 14 points. 14 points, sir. Tennessee was favored to win that game prior to those two miscues, after it— So you're saying in-game? In-game. After those two— And what was the first miscue? Uh, what time period was it? Third quarter block punt touchdown. So what point of the third? I mean— I think it, it was like five minutes in. All right, so almost half memory. the game left. They're favored. Punt, punt issues. They lose handily. Yes. So they went from 70% to like 15%, all in a matter of like so two possessions. So your point is that— because there's a misperception based upon the punt issues, they're underrated here. But what would the – I mean, does the line seem like it's really saying – because it seems like you're saying the line is pretty much what you think it should be. Yes, and the spot favors Tennessee because of the recent revenge 
from that game? Recent revenge. Now, is it revenge or is it the fact the public's good? That's what I'm confused about. Sometimes a situation is going to cause the public, in theory, to bet a certain way and there'll be mispricing. Another is that the team itself is going to play better. Those are two separate things, right? Right. And I think this is a, this is a case where the line, it's not that the public is on Indy. I think that this is a case where the situation favors Tennessee. So then, then why? So they're going to get revenge for the block punts? Like that confused. I, I could, if you would have told me you think this line's inflated because everyone thinks the Colts dominated them, but they really didn't. I see that clearly. That I would agree if the line were inflated. But here you're saying somehow getting outplayed in a way that could have had some luck in it is going to make them want to win that division game even more. You don't think they have max? You know. I mean, aren't they really motivated to win this because it's a division game anyway? Yeah, it's a division showdown for, for the division lead. So both teams obviously have that max motivation. So where's the motive? You're saying there's a motivation at Because of the adjustments that when a, one team loses by 17, the team that wins, the natural reaction is, hey, this worked. Let's continue to do but what But don't worked. you think that Vrabel knows that it, you're saying that you understand that there wasn't really fundamental problems, but Vrabel's going to overreact? I mean, I'm confused. You, so you're not saying he's going to overreact. You're saying it's going to be good adjustments. So if you, that's interesting. So if a team really won a game, but somehow you could hypnotize them and convince them they lost, that would be a good thing. Yes. Because they would start making changes. But yes. If they, but if they won the game, do you want them to make changes? Like you're saying Tennessee should have been right there and won the game. Why would we want changes? I don't think they should have won, but it should have been competitive, yeah. yeah so the, you're saying they're going to make more changes than, they, than they, the, the game truly warrants. Yeah. How is that a good thing? If the game was close in, in truth, but the result wasn't, you're saying Tennessee's going to make changes, and that's, I, that's a good thing. I, I think in a chess analogy, Indianapolis won the game, so Indianapolis is going to make similar moves, and it's going to enable Tennessee to make the first adjustments But any team them. can adjust any time. I guess what I'm saying is the idea that the, the score is misleading is what makes me wonder about how the whole – because if, if – Tennessee had lost and lost handily. I totally understand that you would say, now, now, now Colts are going to make adjustments, or Colts will be complacent. Tennessee's going to make a bunch of adjustments, and they're going to get it right. But you're not saying that. You're saying it should have been a close game. It wasn't, but the adjustments are what's going to help. So why would you want to adjust? I'll ask you one more time. If your game plan would have allowed for a close game, why are adjustments a good thing? Because whenever you do something that you didn't do the first game, I think it's more likely to be a problem for your opponents. So if, if every coach was as smart as you, they would understand that they should be adjusting even when they win. Yes. But no one else does that. I think the really good coaches do. And we wouldn't put Vrabel in that list? You know, that's a good point because Vrabel I would put in that, that list. Vrabel does things I really am impressed by. Just like example, just last week. He had the perfect spot for a fake punt, and he faked the punt. Successful against Baltimore right at the end of the first half, and it was just textbook. He's a great coach. All right, Colts record versus the Titans since 2009, 20-5 straight up, 16-9 against the spread. Feels like that might be one they feel kind of thunder. You know, remember, it was, if I remember right, the Colts came in there and won on the road the end of last year, right? And it was a key game for the playoffs. Yes. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Part of me thinks when a team beats another team this much, there's something schematically. But this goes far back from the coaches we currently have. I'm staying away. 
But is this a like for you? Just a lean. Mm-hmm. I, I also like the fact Derrick Henry has come on in the second half of years. He's gotten better. Now, the question is— The second th- half of years in the past. Yes. Now, the question is, did those 388 carries last year compromise what's going to happen this year? Yeah, but year? that's not going to happen all at once. He looked yeah. good last week, right? Yes, and he got less than three yards per carry in the first half last week, but he got over six yards per carry in the second half, a trend that Derrick Henry has. As the games progress, he tends to get stronger. Now, are you able to bet in-game on, like, over-under rush yards? Only for peanuts. They'll put it up for, for guys. Like when you say peanuts, how much? Hundred a crack. A lot of people, you know, the average bet's like twenty-two dollars. Mm-hmm. You realize that, right? Yeah. Everyone's not in your highfalutin strata. It's so funny, everyone. Like, like whatever. Like, like someone who's betting, you know, fifty thousand a game will say, "Oh, you're betting the look aheads, ah, peanuts." You, you know, Malinsky used to tease you about that. You remember? Well, I remember he said he couldn't bet the the look aheads because he didn't want to tip his hands. Exactly. So he would make fun of you for batting it. Yes. You didn't like that too much, did you? No. I am Elma J. Fudd, millionaire. I own a mansion and a yacht. All right, next game. Oh, by the way, Maddie had to step out. I think we expect him back here soon enough. Being a CEO. All right. He said he'd pop in. For the couple games. He's got two more picks, I think. All right. Where are we at? Bills, Chargers. We've gone over that. Oh, Dolphins, Jets. This game's interesting. Line's almost seven. Dolphins on the road. We talked a little about the Jets. Their their stats were horrible. They got lucky to cover. Three covers now. I think they were lucky on two of them. What do you got, Fess? So I was all ready to bet the Jets because, again, I want to fade Miami. Miami hasn't been good offensively. Under Tua, Tua's likely to start four games, and Miami's averaging 4.3 yards per play. That's more than a yard worse than the NFL average. But then the line comes out, and I look at my power ratings. I make Miami an eight-and-a-half-point favorite. And this line is so low, it's like seven. So well, Remember now, Miami was at home against the Jets, and the line was, what, eight, eight-and-a-half? And everyone was shocked that a team is, that had a record like Miami's would have been that big of a favorite. So now they're favored by almost or a touchdown almost on the road. I mean, I know we can debate how much road home is worth now, but do we really want to say, like, it's so low? What did we think it was going to be? Yeah. I, I, I'm not saying the Jets aren't overrated, which I think they are. I'm saying it doesn't seem like it's so low. It, 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 it seems like the market is, is well aware. Remember, Buffalo was... What was the Bills favored against the Jets? Look it up. Because if I recall that line, remember we were debating it. Oh, maybe that maybe that line did go to close nine and a half in week seven. Yeah. So Steve almost got the sheet in front of him in that time. Yeah. I got an unfair advantage. I have both super sheets up for both teams. So Yeah, I'm saying he almost got to the sheet though. That was strong. Is um so, I mean, right now, don't we think, don't we feel like the Bills a couple weeks ago were considered a lot better than the Dolphins now? Yeah, I got the Bills three points better than the Dolphins. So that seems to line up, doesn't it? It does seem to line up. So, like, why did it feel that way to you? I guess I just felt that Tua's getting so much love every time I, I, I turn on SportsCenter, I see Tua. And that makes you angry. And I thought, no, I just thought it would. Ref- I think it does. I thought that he, he has it all. 
And I, th I, th I thought it would get reflected in the point spread, but clearly it isn't. Well, People let's are aware. At, let's look at the line. So the look ahead here was seven. Now, I would make the case, you could say the Jets covered, but I, I would not at all upgrade them, if not maybe even downgrade them. And then you would make the case Miami gets a significant down. I mean, would you give them a one-point downgrade? You know, I only downgraded them a half. Why? Well, here's why. Because I have Miami as an average team. I, I already am on an island with Miami so low. So, but and I, okay, I, but I, so you I can't say that performance is what you expected. No. So it seems like you're trying to recalibrate. Hmm. It's like you're trying to do three things at once with your power ratings. You're supposed to have the right number. And then adjust for the game. Well, if I downgraded them a point, that doesn't matter. Then I'd that have the, but then I'd have the Chargers and Carolina as good as Miami, and that didn't think, feel right at all. Does that feel right to you? No, but I don't. I think that should have been a question that you asked last week, right? I mean, when you looked at the lines, then you would have said, "Well, let's see." You know, that's what I don't get is you're trying to do so many. Well, things. I look at my teams and I try to and I try to say which one of these is fundamentally the better team. Which one well, would I better pick? That's the case them? then. That's the thing, though. You got to. It seems like you got to do it one way or the other. One way is that you start. You get a number you trust, and then you say, "I'm going to adjust based on what I saw in this game," right? which seems like the way to do it. Or the other way to do it is not even think about it on a per game basis. Say, "Okay, I got new new information. How good is this team?" But you know what that approach is? It lends itself to recency bias. You're always going to be obsessed with what just happened. So to some degree, unless you have a bad number coming in, if you adjust for what you see, it is the right adjustment, right? Yes. So do you feel like you had a bad number on, on Miami coming in? Because if no. so, then, then that's what – because let's be candid. A month ago, would, we, would there have been any shock if we said that Miami's only as good as the Chargers? They just played recently. What was the line in that game? Miami was a two-point favorite at home. So that means they were even game. Yeah. So, yeah. And you're, now you're lamenting that maybe the Chargers are almost as good? That doesn't seem wrong. Well, Miami won that game pretty comfortably. Well, they won by eight. eight. And, I mean, it's one game. Yep. I mean, Tennessee just beat Baltimore, but you found a way to make Tennessee seem like crap. I mean, that's a weird thing. I, I, I got to be I, I could see if you were always disregarding this. or all. It seems to be so hodgepodgey. Okay, let's think about this. Here's my, here's the question of the game. My name is Casper. Where's Casper? I can't see him. Oh, I mean, like, where is he? What is going on with, what is the official report on Sam Darnold, McKenzie? Last I read it was AC joint. Let me pull it up. See if there's any practice report from today. I'm telling you, I think this is a situation where they almost are sure they're going to get to number one and they want to trade Darnold. And, you know, they will once they, I mean, they got to. And the theory is a Colts team maybe is going to pay big, you know, big, who knows what. I mean, I can't imagine that he even gets, I mean, the best I could think he gets a second round pick. I mean, the best. But, how can they act like that they're trying? I mean, this is a tank, right? So November 10th, this is the report. Sam Darnold is feeling better and hoping to return in week 10 following the Jets' bye. He's still out with that same injury. Could this be mono 
striking its ugly head? It comes out every year, right? I mean, I, I hear some people when they don't, when they get mono, they never get rid of it. What's your, how do you, um, Steve, you going to jump in? You got anything? I mean, obviously Flacco, Flacco versus Fl Darnold seems like a significant thing, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, Darnold is better than Flacco, despite Flacco playing better here well, the last I, couple games. He did not play better the last game. You think he played better? What stat are you looking at? Because I tell you this, if you look at, Mackenzie, do me a favor, take out the garbage time, just go and look at week 11, Take out garbage time at 10%. Gotcha. And stack rank by the, uh, the, the, the consolidated view. And I'll tell you right now, Flacco had the second worst stats behind Luton. Yeah, you're right. QBR was 27, and that was built upon you know, that fourth quarter cover touchdown. So, so yeah. They, I mean, I promise you, he perked up against the Patriots. Let's give him credit. That was it. Tales from the crypt time. I mean, it's time to go to sleep. And the, there's no way you can make the case that Sam Darnold doesn't give the Jets a better chance to win. I agree. So where is Sam Darnold? My name is Casper. MIA. And I like your theory about the Jets. No, Darnold isn't going to look good as well. And It's a risk. Now they can dream. It's always better to sell the dream. Yes. All right, we got these numbers. So if you actually take out the 90%, or anything above 90. So it's saying just get rid of garbage time. 29 quarterbacks played last week. And Joe Flacco, dead last. Dead. Last. Here's the funny part. He only had 14 plays that weren't garbage time. <laughs> now, remember, this is dropbacks. And his completion percentage was 36%. His expected completion percentage was 64 so his completion percentage over... How the hell did they cover? It's it like minus 28 percentage points. Like a bad week is like minus three. Yeah. You cannot play the Jets. I got to be honest with you. It's six and a half flat. I probably like the Dolphins. Because to me, this coach, this Flores, is, is going to be the type that when they have a bad game, he's going to be on them. And I thought it was a really strong call that he benched Tua. You know how many coaches would be afraid to bench Tua? Thinking, oh, my, my, my uh, franchise quarterback's fragile. And it's like, he said, he's not playing well. Fitzpatrick gives us a better chance to win. Let's see what's happening. To me, that is Belichickian again. And I, and I find it to be really redeeming. And I'm not an X's and O's guy, as I, as I say many times, but... If you listen to Lombardi, he goes, oh, he goes, Fran he goes, Fangio. He goes, he knows how to defend him. He's rushing him up the middle. Remember, two is not tall. It's like six foot. What's his listed height, Mackenzie? Six feet. Yeah. I mean, you're not supposed to. I mean, Breeze is like borderline six feet, and his height was a big issue for a long time. And he's not Kyler Murray. I mean, whatever you want to say about Kyler Murray, the guy can run. I mean, 
I, I think Tua is a real question mark right now. And remember, Tua took that big hit, obviously. Could have kept playing, and he got uh, taken out of the game. He got benched is what the, 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 the story says. Absolutely. He got benched. But is he going to be fully 100%? Is he going to run as much off of that getting banged up the prior game? That's a negative. Uh, I think if there's one thing. Well, I don't know. If you're Tua, I don't think he's supposed to run as much. He's not supposed to run. He's not going to last that way. All right. So I'm staying away. I cannot play the Jets. I'm kind of thinking Dolphins at six and a half flat, but it's a tight call. All right, Saints Broncos. Saints by five and a half with some extra juice. And look who's here, Matty Holt. So I'm going to take Denver plus six here. I'm still not sure yet that Taysom Hill is the true dropback quarterback that that everyone kind of thinks he is here. And um, yeah, I, I thought he played well in the Atlanta game, especially obviously in the second half. That game was really close for much of the first half. Atlanta doesn't have much of a defense. And he ended up with a QBR of 70 and threw for 233 yards. But I, I just, I'm still not sold on him being your everyday uh, starting dropback quarterback. And, and I, but I do think that this defense is really good, and I think the Denver defense is going to come to play here. This is a team when Drew Locke is 100% healthy, which hasn't happened many times this year. But when it does, they've played some tough teams right down to the wire. They only lost to Tennessee by two. You know, they've been a pretty rugged team when, when he can go, and they've just had to deal with his bad you know, pretty bad injuries all year. I don't want to say as bad as anybody because, you know, you have teams like the 49ers this year with historic injury problems. But I think this game is going to be low scoring, and I tend to lean toward the under in this game. And I think anytime you lean toward the under, period, points become more valuable. And the total's already 43.5. So they're telling you this is supposed to be a low-scoring game. And in a low-scoring game, those points have extra value, and I'm going to take the six points at home with the Denver Broncos against the New Orleans Saints. Would you make the? Would you agree with the following case? The Denver seems to overperform when they play a team that is immature, or not immature, but not great schematically. Where Fangio is a really good scheme guy, and that, that he's able at times to win on the chalkboard. You know that's not going to happen with Sean Payton. So to me, I'm a little, I don't like Locke, but I'm I actually thought that I thought the same thing you said in my first look of this game. I'm like, man, Andy Reid, Chiefs killed him. John Gruden, Raiders killed him. Um, and they beat Miami. They beat a Chargers team who I think's pretty good. So some of their wins are, I mean, they beat New England. They beat Miami. They beat the Chargers. None of those teams are in the bottom, like five or six in the yeah, league. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, all right. They have some okay wins. But when I went back, a lot of it to me had to do with Drew Locke. When Drew Locke was 100% healthy, the offense ran a lot better. And when he wasn't, their offense was a train wreck. And Locke was really bad, not just this year against Kansas City, but last year against Kansas City as well. Okay, so what you're saying is maybe there's a scheme issue there against Yes. Them. Yeah, but also to go in, you know, we'll close on this game, but your theory, Fez, of trying to find the stuff that causes mispricing, Denver's comebacks – those couple games when it was yeah. garbage time, but I can't figure Denver out either. I mean, just this. I mean, in a way, beating Patriots handily, regardless, the market understood it because that that line crashed. Yeah, I'm staying away from Denver games generally. And Denver might be the one game in our database where we add garbage time yards 
in a game where Denver actually won despite being in a situation they were well, so far behind be, against the Chargers. Thing, it's going to be garbage time until it's not. Right. Like when you graded every yeah. play at a certain point, now the game's competitive again. All right. New Orleans defense gave up 30 points per game first five games since they're giving up 15. So that New Orleans D is really playing well. Yeah. In, in fact, we've got a pick here from Dave Esler. He's got a best bet on this one, and it involves the total. I love, and I bet, Denver and New Orleans under 44 points this Sunday. One of the Saints, not the Saints, right now. Say what you will about Taysom Hill beating Atlanta, because their 24 points was tied for their lowest output this season. To take that further, over the last three weeks, only the Browns have a higher percentage of running plays than the Saints. And they're 26th in pass attempt percentage this season at 46%, which was obviously even lower last week. And this is a team that put the ball in the air 60% of the time last year. So the Saints aren't the Saints on offense. Defensively, the Saints have the best DVOA defense since the 2000 Baltimore Ravens. In their last three games, they've allowed an average of just 8.3 points per game and only six second-half points total. Denver isn't running the ball against the Saints. Number two yards per rush defense. Locke isn't suddenly going to be good. Denver's 27th and third down conversions, worse than that in the red zone. The under is 17-4 and four in the Broncos' last 21 games against teams with a winning record and 70% under in the last 20 home games regardless. The Saints have zero reason to get margin, and Denver has zero ability to get into the end zone. Saints, Broncos, under 44 points. This thing could be a real dud of an offensive game, and those six points could feel like a lot the way these two teams might just, you know, slog up and down the field. All right, that's it on the Broncos Saints. I'll tell you this, though. Sean Payton, let's give the guy some credit, man. Amongst the greats, and I won't count the young guys yet, Belichick, Andy Reid's getting his love. Sean Payton's as good as Andy Reid. Just a couple of games have gone against him, in my opinion. Next up, 49ers, Rams. Rams, everyone's darling. Seven and a half, eh, maybe seven, you seeing? I think seven, seven and a half, right? What are you seeing, Fez? Yeah, it's split between the two. Sevens are more common. All right, what do you got? So I like the 49ers here. Like them. And and this is not about power rings. This is just about situations. But you don't buck your power rings. That's what you said, right? That's what I say. So you're bucking them now? Well, I need five likes, so I'm bucking them now. Okay, okay. All right, so the Rams. It's so hard to get that fifth game, huh? That fourth game? So hard. That Rams, that, that was a big win. That was an emotional win against Tampa Bay. Rams played very well. Now they got a wheel back on a short week, playing a Niner team that's off of a bye. And frankly, I liked what I saw from the Niners the week before against San Francisco. Yes, against San Francisco, against New Orleans, because that was a game that San San Francisco didn't cover, lost by 14, but they played well enough to cover, caught some bad breaks in the game, finally dropped a punt in the fourth quarter. Uh, bottom right, line, so let's agree the 49ers play better than the score. Yes. So the bottom line is I got a team that was playing hard, played better than the score, now has a bye against a team that gets a tear-down-the-goalpost type of win on the road. So what's your power rating saying? First of all, Tampa Bay is not a tear-down-the-goalpost type of win. It's not even close to that. The Rams would much rather win in division. I mean, it was a nice win, but come on. All right, but Monday Night Football showdown Mm, I think every game's on TV these days. Yeah. Unfortunately, when power ratings make the game 8.5, so I'm getting shorted on the number. I like Shanahan. I think that you could make the case that they were, you know, I had my favorite pick of the week effectively on the 49ers against the Saints. To some degree, 
as much as I respect Shanahan, I don't want him against Sean Payton. Here, it's McVay. Now, remember, we've got the hit. Remember, this was a game that was in San Francisco when there was that big, uh, the first matchup between these two, and the 49ers were three and a half. Remember? Yes. Okay. So now we're saying the Rams are playing. You know, remember, the Rams got dismantled in that game. So is that a that's sign? 16 24, I think. Five. Yeah, is yeah. that is that a sign? And that was kind of lucky to be that. Is that a sign, maybe, that the Rams a bad matchup with Shanahan? Because the talk always is Shanahan has the better, mm. you know, Shanahan's good against him. I'm not sure. Mackenzie, what do you think? Little bias, can't lie. But um, let's see, just the last since since Shanahan took over, four and three straight up in ATS against Lil Bro McVay. So four and three is not all that impressive. 57%. Someone's got to be, you know, when you have seven games without a push, I don't know. A lot of talk about that. I'm going to agree with you. I like the Rams. In fact, I'll check that, 49. In fact, I'm going to make this my best bet. I like this. Because it's here's the thing I've learned, guys. When you have something you like that it's gutsy to do, so I would make the case making the 49ers the pick when they were getting big points. Remember, that line got up to 10 against the Saints. So if you're getting big points against the Saints and you lose, the real th- question is, do you do it again? Because if your premises were wrong, you could make the case that, hey, you reevaluate new information. Right? But with the multiple muff punts and such, you could make the case that the 49ers should have won that game or should have covered that game. Covered, covered. And now it feels like a similar situation against a good team. But remember, a lot of questions. I mean, this is a team that was just a four and a half point underdog against Tampa Bay, saying that the Rams aren't even close to Tampa Bay. Not even close. They win. Give them credit. Whitworth out. I mean, watching that game, Fez, if you Tampa played the Rams again, what do you make the line? Tampa minus three. So you you, you downgrade Tampa, but it, they're still clear favorites. Oh yes. And still maybe two and a half. And still know. better than the home field. It's more they're the better team. Slightly better team, yeah. So maybe two, actually. Two. You want three's keep, too much. You want to keep going? No, two is good. I mean, let's see. I got 75, we'll give you 80. 75, 75, 80. 80, 80, Three, two, one, what? Two. two. That's where you're stopping. Sold. You sure? I'm sure. Ladies and gentlemen, please hold all tickets. The stewards have posted the inquiry sign. Uh, you got a chance if you want to change. You only changed four times. You got one more. So you're saying these are almost even teams? Yes. You know what this reminds me of is when he finally heard who McCaffrey was last year. And he's like, uh, Steve, who's all your, you know, one point, one and a half point players. He's got his list and McCaffrey's not on it. And somehow he's on an email chain that gets an email about McCaffrey. He goes, hey, guys, I have an announcement. Um, I have a new player on the one and a half point list. There's only like five. Who is it? Christian McCaffrey. Remember that, Steve? Yeah, C-Mac. C-Mac, <laughs> exactly, exactly. C-Mac is who it is. Oof, <laughs> oof. All right, best bet for, yeah, I like this. 
because if anything, you know, Shannon, the real question here is, or the 49ers motivate. We know the 49ers players should not be over a touchdown. And remember, this is a seven and a half for me. I, I always get the hook. Always. Or I don't play it. Always. I think I had the, I get the metal ringing around the studio. <laughs> Here's the thing. If the 49ers are playing hard, it's an autoplay, right? Because, I mean, what's it? Obviously, there's still some injuries. How would you assess the current injury situation, McKenzie? Uh, talent position-wise, uh, pretty strong with Debo Samuel back. It's really just if you think Nick Mullins is anywhere close to Jimmy Garoppolo, that's the biggest one. And obviously, Nick Bosa, some other defensive players. Yeah, but that's season-long stuff, right? I mean, it's a team that dismantled the Rams without that. So we're saying it's, it's Mullins and obviously the tight end. Yeah, we, we should get both running backs back that have been hurt. We. All right, 49ers best bet. I mean, how do you even go against that? I mean, like, what, what's the rationale? What's the case? If the 49ers are playing hard. There is no case. I think so. And it's, that's the thing. I think because that you got two young coaches that in theory are going to be battling at Harbaugh Tomlin style for the next 20 years or longer, they really want, there's no chance that the 49ers are going to be down for this game, especially after, remember, they got dismantled by Green Bay. And there was a lot of talk about the league was unfair about some COVID stuff, had to buy or had the 10 days and was all focused on the Saints. They play well enough to cover except for a couple plays. This seems like the perfect storm. And if I thought the 49ers were a good pick before, it takes extra guts, meaning last week against Saints, it takes extra guts two weeks ago to play him here because you just lost with the same rationale. That's the time when it sheds everyone. Because think about it. The kind of people that would bet the 49ers last time are the kind of people that would bet him this time. And you know what? Last time they lost. And it's not just losing a game. It's going out on a limb and losing a game. When you go, like, Faz, you're in, like, what's the chance of you betting the Eagles this week? Zero. And you're supposed to be a professional, right? Yeah, but after two straight um, horrendous performances by once making me, um, I'm, I looked bad. I don't want to go to that well again. And the kind of people that like the scenario that Philly was in probably had him at least one of the last two weeks. I think there's something to that when it's the same universe of batters. If you but listen, if you bet something and everyone agrees with you and it loses and they're patting you on the back, you'll bet it again. It's when you look wrong and foolish. It's hard to bet it that second time. That's actually why I did like Philly with him. I didn't like it the first week at all. Ooh, ooh, not at all. Ooh, but I did last week. I felt like last week was the week. It was like a week later than everyone, and that was right. It wasn't right. It was wrong. It felt right. It was wrong. I don't want the Eagles. I think it was a fundamental problem. Here, I don't see a fundamental problem with the 49ers other than injury, but it's being accounted for in the line. Best by 49ers. Chiefs. Bucks. I didn't realize this game was happening. This is a good game. Wow. This is right? Chiefs are three and a half? Yeah. Pretty amazing. We were talking about how got to be Tampa Bay here. We were talking about how Tampa Bay we might be upgrading them to our number two team if they had had a good performance. There's no we. Your power ratings are your power. Ratings. There you go. Um, 
you know, I can't help, though. You got an opinion on this game? I'm passing. But I can't help. What did, what did I just see? I saw the Rams against Tampa Bay taking short, What's your power rating short passes. Power ratings make the game three. Okay. So three and a half to Pat. Yes. And wouldn't you say there's a chance the Chiefs are going to be flat? I was thinking about that. I think it's unequivocal. Well, no. It, 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 the, here's why. I don't necessarily think the Chiefs will be flat. There's still a game behind Pittsburgh for home field. They're not going to get home field. Forget they it. They don't know that. But, the, under that. but hold on a second. They were. How many times have the Chiefs been flat this year? Flat against more the than anyone. Chargers. More than anyone. Carolina. More yeah, than anyone? more than anyone. So have they been competing with the Steelers for the first, uh, uh, the uh, number one seed? Whole way. So what's different now? What's different is that they just basically clinched the division. Which means they're going to be flat. So you're saying there's less motivation now than at any point during the year. Yes. But they've been flat more than any other team. Yes. But no way can they be flat I'm here. sold. You're right. You're right? right. I'm not saying for sure. I'm saying there's a there's a real you have to. You're right. I, I put down question mark. Will they be fully motivated to get the number one seed? And you're right. But, this is a team that basically say, hey, you know what? We're we're so good. We don't need. We, why would we need to have the home the number one seed? I don't know what the rationale is. I just well, the know world that champs. They, they've been flat at more than anyone. They've been able to overcome it. Now we got Tom Brady off a tough loss. We know he doesn't like to lose. He has bounced back. What concerns me is the Chiefs put up 36 first downs their last game. That was a franchise record. They did it by matriculating the ball down the field with short passes. So wait, this was the Chiefs that was that, that needed a last-minute drive to beat the bad the Raiders who suck apparently. Yes. Okay. Okay, but they how did they move the ball through short passes slowly down the field? What did I just see against the Tampa the Tampa Bay defense give up against the Rams? Exactly that kind of um, yeah, success. Yeah, but not that they didn't really the defense wasn't the big problem in the game, was it? If you look at the total and everything, the amount of points scored was within six points, right? Within six, yeah. So it's hard to say. It's like they got lambasted with those short passes. Yeah, that's fair. Right? Yeah. So really, none of it makes any. No, the, I mean they. The, what? The, the Rams, when they were throwing those short passes, was having success. Rams couldn't they, run net, at all. Net, well, so that's the thing. You don't think? What I'm saying is, it doesn't matter if somehow Tampa Bay was just bad against short passes the whole year. Okay, I don't think one game in which it's within a touchdown of what they expect the points to be, we can say there's a big problem with short okay. passes. And is Kansas City like Mr. Short Pass? Well, they were against the Raiders, so it's what okay. they just had success with. No, Kansas City Ooh. is well versed in doing everything. So my question here is a motivated for sure Tampa Bay Bucks team. Bucks might not make the playoffs. I mean, who knows? And the Chiefs in their f- potentially flattest spot of the year. Yes. Seems like and, and you're saying we're getting value anyway. Just pure power ratings. Yes. You've you sold me. I like this. I think you so. I think you so. You sold me. How about Tom Brady failing against top NFL teams? Probably not such a big issue because Kansas City hardly has a defense that we fear, right? I don't know. Is this a night game? Because <laughs> that's some speculation. We were talking about this straight out of Vegas. Is And by the way, it's a 125 start. Is Tom Brady likes to take naps. Or more specifically, he goes to bed really early. And the speculation is, hey, Maybe these night games are causing him problems because he's sleepy. I don't think it's crazy, to be honest with you. But we um, reports of his bedtime, 9 p.m. What time does little Johnny go to sleep, Fez? School night 8. 
Otherwise, how, how, nine. Whoa, 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 whoa. How old is he? Ten? He's nine years old. Nine or ten? He's nine. And he goes to bed at eight? Yes, on a school night. You're kidding. No, eight o'clock. Hollywood. Yo. You have a, what's the closest a nine-year-old you got, kid-wise? Twelve. What, uh, you can remember a couple years ago, right? Yeah. How, what time did the 12-year-old go to bed when he was nine? Eight o'clock. Are you serious? Yeah. I would have been so mad. School night. Jesus Christ, I think I was up. Let me think about this. You know, this is a sign that parents just be so sick of being parents. They like, go to sleep. Um, they still need it at that age. It's- I, you know, maybe those, that's part of my problem is I swear to God I was going to bed at 11 at that point. I mean, Jesus Christ, I think I was, I mean, like, come 10, 11, you're dating. Different kids have different natural rhythms. My middle kid gets up at 5.30 every morning, and uh, my, uh, my youngest daughter would sleep in as late as possible, and she's only four. So. All right. When, when he wakes up at 6 a.m., he is cranky. He's like, oh, you know, he's out cold still. And he has to get up at 6. What time does he have to be at school? Leave at 7.25. He gets up an hour and a half before he leaves? Yeah. To do what? He's just, you know, entering the day, you know. No, I don't. I'm no, <laughs> I, I used to, what I know is I had to be at school at 7. Is that right? I had to be at school at 7. No, it was 7.50, and I used to wake up at 7.08. And then, you know, when you're younger, I don't know if this has changed, but, like, today, if I'm leaving the house, and I leave, you know, almost every day, it's a, you know, it's a shower, it's a shower, it's a shower. Not, not that it's a big deal, it's just standard. But when I was a kid, it was like, well, you know what it was. For a while, we didn't even have, like, it was like some bygone era that we, there was a bathtub. It's like, bathtub? And we had this, like, utility, um, what would you call it? A uh, sink downstairs. Like, the kind of stuff, you're, you know, the dad would, um, you know, clean fish in or something when he went fishing. And I'd run down. It was a big, you could put your whole head in there. I'd put my head and wash my hair, towel myself off. It was all right, I guess. I would have rather had a shower. But I, mean, I think we got a shower when I was probably before 10. But, uh, yeah. But... I got to tell you something. I didn't okay. I couldn't even imagine getting up at 6 in the morning. And he has to be at school at 7.30? Yes. Or he has to leave at 7.30? What time? We leave at 7.30. It's three, five-minute drive. And he has to be there at 8. So you, he gets there, like, on average, 25 minutes early. Yes. Just he wants to be there early. Takes, takes an AR test. or What's AR? Advanced reading, I think. So he takes tests every morning for fun? <laughs> Like when Al Pacino and Scarface said, I kill communists for fun, <laughs> it's the AR test. Yeah. Oh, I hope I could stay alive long enough to see how this all turns out. <laughs> I'm fascinated. All right. I like the Tampa Bay Bucks getting three and a half. Bears, Packers, seven and a half for the pack, extra juice. We got fast. All right, so I bet the Bears against the Vikings two weeks ago, Monday Night Football, and it was embarrassing. The Bears, 13 points, seven of it on a kickoff return. Completely the wrong side. Bears offense, banged up O-line, couldn't do anything. And frankly, Foles, he's been terrible for the Bears, and he has an injury, and apparently he's going to try to play again. 
which I don't know if that's the best quarterback right now. I got so burned betting on the Bears against the Vikings. Maybe I'm making a mistake here. It's a good spot. The Bears are off of a bye. However, Green Bay just gave a game away against Indianapolis. So that it's a good spot for them as well where they lost a game they easily could have won. If Green Bay had won that game, I think it probably would have gone to the well with the Bears again. Because Green Bay lost that game, I'm going to pass here. Bears defense is still mighty good. Mighty good. So do you? if you like the Bears, you got to like the under? Yes. There, I, I, there seems no way to me that the Bears can well, put course, up. Well, first, it's not no way. But even it's if it's so just unlikely. 60-40, it's hugely it's, correlated. It's, again, we talk about the Bears are going to get like 17 points. And then can they hold Green Bay in check? Mm-hmm. So I'm not even sure if you like the Packers, you should like the over. If you're in this, if you look at the specifics of the Nagy spot, I don't think that the buy helps here, does it? If they still are really engaged and think they can turn this thing around, maybe, but it feels like there might be a mutiny going on. Remember, if a defense is playing great, the offense is so bad, at some point the defense gets tired of it. Yeah, and it's an interesting dynamic, right? Because it's five and five team, but it's also an 0 and four team. So they've gone from. I mean, at this point, you think at even money, do you bet Nagy retaining his job? Let me think about that. Yes, I would bet yes. Like, what's going to change? Like, this is supposed to be the quarterback guy, this is the offensive guy. They stink. And to some degree, at what point are we going to say, are we. I got to wonder, I'm not a scout. I don't know if I've said that, but I don't know if Trubisky isn't worth a second chance with somebody. How do we know this is just, when, what has Nagy done that tells us he's a good coach? Other than that, remember he had a couple years where he scripted the first series and they were so effective with that. That's was about it. it, it. That, but that, the league's figured that out. It, it has. So then what? That's it. It's not like he had any real pedigree other than carrying Andy Reid's bag. I mean, it's not like he, I think he called the offense for a couple games maybe. And now he can't call it here. And Foles, it's like, at some point, do we say it's Nagy? Yeah, I listen. Aaron Rodgers, I'm so sick of him and his California cool. I had him against the Colts. This guy's a loser. He's a loser. He doesn't win. He loses. Every game he has a chance to lose, he'll lose it. And if he wins a game, he'll lose the next one. One Super Bowl appearance, this guy? Supposed to be the most talented quarterback? How is that? What, I mean, how bad do you have to be to, for that to be the case? No answer? No answer. I agree. Also, I think there's there's some quarterbacks that inspire, and there are other quarterbacks that are really good that don't, and they don't win. the. They, they can put up some big numbers, and like he did in, in, at times here against Indianapolis. Bottom line is game on the line, Rodgers down three, Rodgers drives him all the way in the red zone. And then does he score the game-winning touchdown? No, he gets a little conservative, kicks a field goal, they go overtime and lose. He smells. Oh, wait. That wasn't even loud enough. He smells. Monday Night Football. But first, we got a free contest. Free. When we advertise, it's free. Pregame.com, college basketball. It's $300 in cash. And this contest starts out November 25th. Right there, baby. And it's with the college basketball tip-off. And we'll run through the conference tournaments. It's a net profit. It's free, by the way. The sports college basketball. It's side and total. 
Fez, you had a bunch of totals today. You were just pounding, right? Yeah, Steamarama on totals under, uh, pretty much across the board. How are they looking? They're looking good by about three points, including game rotation 666, Indiana under 140 and a half. You, you liked that, didn't you? Yes. It's it's weird, the, the whole thing with uh, you and the Satanism. But, again, if it helps you win, I'm not, I'm not saying it's right. But who am I? If you're a winner, who am I? Oh, we actually still have the, the audio footage. Beelzebub, Leviathan, Asmodeus, come forth from the abyss by these names. <laughs> What was going on there? <laughs> it's a secret. Are you like in a robe or something? <laughs> I didn't hear any saint's name. Like, it didn't seem very holy to me. <laughs> what do you think, Air Hollywood? I think it's holy in the opposite direction. <laughs> I think they call that evil. I think so. I always like Beelzebub. Mackenzie, you have to hit the hey, thing if you want to talk. I always liked Beelzebub. I, I don't know why. He just, he's a winning way. So, by the way, you, you sound like you're 100 miles. Were you on the mic? Yeah. Well, something's wrong with it then. Hit it again. All right. Yeah, it it's was like. That, it was that double tap. Oh, the double tap. All right. It out. We could just mute Mackenzie's mic, solve the problem. No, we wouldn't want to do that. So, are they, when were the games for? Tonight? Tomorrow night. Tomorrow night. Yeah. So, Opening oh. night, tomorrow night, the bajillion games. All right, so what we're saying is it's Tuesday recording. You're talking about it Wednesday happening. Yes. Okay. But the unders are long gone. They are. So when you were steam chasing and you were still getting the good numbers, though, how did they move after your bet came in? They were moving them two points. So your, your, your $300 bet was moving them two points. Yes. And booking faces. All right, this is free. I haven't, I don't know. You go to pregame.com. Go to the contest. Now, here's the thing, too. You might say, ah, college prize. Remember, you can start out and see if you're hot. If you're hot, you keep rolling. If not, you abandon it. It doesn't cost anything. And, or you can use this as a way to track your results because this actually uses live lines. So it's not like some contest lines. You get multiple books, and it's giving you the best line for one team. So it might be minus 3.5 plus 4.5. So odds are you're going to be over 50% if you're any kind of handicapper. And there's a chance to win K-ish. K-ish. Pregame.com. Click contest. It's the college basketball $300 contest. And you can sign up now. Starts with the tip-off, which is today if you're listening on Wednesday. We did this a day early because of affection for you. And this runs through February 27th. Enjoy. Fez's Eagles, Seahawks, Seahawks on the road lane, five with extra vig. Maddie, you like this one. I like Seattle in this spot. Look, and, and we talk about sometimes everyone wants to do the zigzag. Hey, a team won, so let me try to fade them against the spread. I like the momentum factor for the Seattle Seahawks here. Coming off that Thursday night win, extra rest, extra preparation again with a good coach and Pete Carroll. Uh, you know, And a, I think a lot of it is being made here that, oh, they're going to have to go all the way across the country. But again, Thursday to Monday, plenty of extra rest and yeah. time to prepare for, for this game. So 
no issues there going across the country at all for me. And, and the biggest thing about Philly, and this has been a tricky team to figure out because it felt like their defense was playing hard all year. And then, you know, to Fez's point, we were talking off the air and on straight out of Vegas is it felt like once their offensive players came back, Hey, here's the defense mm-hmm. playing hard. Carson Wentz will play better when their offensive players came back, but they didn't. And what really stood out to me in that Cleveland game, which he gave away is the head shaking after some of the plays, the head down, the demoralization, not just, Hey, privately, we don't believe in our quarterback, the fact that they're out there mocking and mad and upset, like, oh, you did it again. What is, like the the actual public show of disdain for the way their quarterback is playing. I think it's a divided locker room. I think there's plenty of guys on the offensive side of the ball that are saying, hey, let's get Jalen Hurts in here. But Peterson's not going to do it in this game. Seattle needs this game. They're in a three-way race right now with Arizona and the Rams. They can't afford to loss. You give me all that extra prep time. And rest against the team that right now has a divided and demoralized locker room. I tend to not do this on Monday night, but I'm going to lay the points on the road with the Seahawks. All right. Let me pose a thought to you. What do you think about this? Eagles at home, and I guess I'm always going back in history here. There's not going to be a crowd. So I was thinking, or they start booing. You know, I mean, is that, huh? That's interesting. Boy, it does feel like, though, that when you have a team that's trending down, you would think a big Monday night game would help them even if there's not a crowd, but I think it's probably more pressure on them. I do too. Wentz is just the pressure is collapsing him. It's cooking. And yeah. Maddie brings up a great point. So Philly was playing hard against Cleveland. Yes. That defense was kicking butt. And then Wentz threw a pick six, an ugly pick six. And you could see it as the defense just was walking off the field that it just demoralized that defense that was playing so well and shutting down Mayfield. No confidence at all in a quarterback. Two for 19 now, third down conversions. You don't usually see the the wide receivers on the field shaking their head in disdain after the quarterback makes a mistake. You know, they try to pick him up and – or say something without all the public show. You could see the public displays of frustration on the Philly players with the play of Carson Wentz. Whenever there's a team that everyone's waiting for them to turn it around, they usually are overrated because everyone's thinking about what they think they're going to be. Yeah. And sometimes they just never. In fact, once it gets to be that fourth, fifth game, they haven't turned around. They never seem to. No. Last thought, devil's advocate. Seattle had a tough run. They had that big Thursday win. And now... They got this game, which is Philly, right? We can say it's easy. Giants, Jets, Washington. Four, you know, literally you got the Jets and the four NFC East teams. That sounds like a dream scenario. Philly, Giants, Jets, Washington. Are they flat or does Monday night prevent that? I think Monday night and the fact that you need every win. Whether they're cakewalks or not, you are in a super tight three-way race. You could easily go from first to third in any given week in this division. And what I really like about Seattle this week, too, Chris Carson, their number one running back, is back. And what we saw is during that four-game stretch where Russell Wilson really struggled and threw the seven interceptions in four games, what was the key to that? Injured running backs, including no Mm -hmm. Chris Carson. Chris Carson back this week. The running game gets back on track. That helps Russell Wilson in the passing game. Last thought. Because, remember, Pete Carroll doesn't like to throw. For years, he didn't throw enough. This year, he threw more than ever. 
And then it came back in a way you could see if he was being skeptical, saying, see what happens? See, do they run the shit out of the ball? And do we look at the under here? Maybe. Because it feels like he's going to be motivated to reestablish that run. Especially if finally with lead. a healthy Chris Carson, too. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Matty Holt. We'll talk to you guys next week, everyone.